Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. This is episode number 23. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. I'm your host, Cam Fraser, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Lucas Owen, a leading Australian biohacker. Lucas has a global mission to optimize well-being as well as physical and mental performance. He is currently completing his naturopathy degree in Melbourne, and he's a highly, uh, he is highly respected in the realm of nootropics, testosterone optimization, and athletic performance. You can actually find all of Lucas's work at his uh, website, which is ergogenic.health, and on his Instagram, which is ergogenic underscore health. We have a very informative and interesting conversation about testosterone primarily um, and why men should care about their T levels or testosterone levels and maybe how they can improve them naturally as well. And we also talk about dopamine and some other types of neurotransmitters and chemicals in the body, talk about the endocrine system, and we talk a little bit about nootropics as well as testicle icing, why you should be icing your testicles. So it's, like I said, a very informative and very interesting conversation. So if you're interested in you know, learning about your body, learning how to biohack your biology, then this is the conversation for you. Enjoy. We know that once a person is perverted, it is practically impossible for that person to adjust to normal attitudes in regard to sex. Sometimes you hear that masturbation affects your mind or your manhood. It isn't true. And some people call the penis funny names like John Willie or something. But we call it its real name, penis. First thing that I ask um, all the people on my podcast is just to share a little bit about yourself, man. And perhaps yeah. you know, as it relates to masculinity, maybe what that means mm. to you, sexuality as well, and, and pleasure, if that's a part of it. Yeah, I just want to welcome you to share anything, man. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I guess my, my journey really just started out with uh, just a passion for understanding the human body. Um, it sort of stemmed from, you know, playing professional soccer. So I played, you know, professional soccer for many years and was always interested in, in how I can improve my performance on the soccer field. Uh, and then that sort of transitioned into just doing a lot of research online on various supplements and ergogenic aids and anything that I could take advantage of to just improve my performance. And then that sort of <clears throat> led me into, I guess, seeing how I could hack or improve my, my, my well-being in other areas of my life. So it wasn't just applying it to soccer, but also like dating, you know, um, studies, just all facets of my life. And then just sort of fell in love with having that control and that, that ability to really you know, harness science and then research and then experimenting and then seeing things play out um, and just witnessing and experiencing that. It was just a really fun process. So that's sort of how I got into where I am today, where I'm, you know, finishing off my naturopathy degree. So I'll be finished end of this year um, and then obviously start practicing and, you know, consulting and, you know, doing, doing similar stuff to yourself as well. Yeah. Beautiful, man. What, what does ergogenic mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. A lot of people still sort of, they ask me that a lot. Uh, so it really stems from 
like a sports performance um, arena. So ergogenic simply means any physiological, anything that can improve either physiological or psychological performance. So that can be supplements, compounds, drugs, you know, breathing habits, anything like that. So it's just like a, a branch for that. Uh, so it's like a catch-all term for anything that can improve your your performance. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and when it comes to, I mean, you mentioned dating in there. I'm interested to know what you found just as a little sidebar, what you found with regard oh. to the things that you could take to improve your dating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be pretty fun. I'll share some of my, uh, some of my experiments actually. Uh, so, so really when I, when I think about dating, I'm trying to figure out what can I do to really just diminish all inhibitions. So that's how I think of it. I'm like, right, what can I do to, to be Lucas, but, but Lucas in a state that there's, there's no like, you're not wasting time in your own head, overthinking things and not like, cause that just screws you up in, from my experience, like not being able to just articulate what you're feeling. That's ruined me many times over. And I'm just like, what can I use and what can I take that can basically unlock that and enable me to really express what I'm feeling? And even if that's slightly controversial or a little bit like sometimes things just slip out of my mouth, that might be very funny or like, you know, very um, politically incorrect. I prefer to be in that state when I, when I'm dating because like, I just feel like that's the best version of myself. Mm. Um, And, you know, there's various herbs and things like that one in particular that i'd love to share is actually one from brazil um you may be familiar with it it's catuaba no never heard of it man so catuaba is a um well it's very well known in brazil for its uh aphrodisiac and tonic and sort of um adaptogenic qualities um and i just find that whenever i use something like catuaba uh, i get that really playful and joker and sort of sarcastic uh sort of personality type cool and yeah it's 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 weird because it's almost like i'm unlocking or sort of like literally molding my personality to fit for the occasion sort of thing yeah um yeah I, i find like you know that's pretty much what i mean in a psychological sense what a lot of supplements and um you know, herbs and adaptogens and I guess, you know, ergogenic, um, Mm. you know, substances would actually, would actually do right on a psychological level. They would, I suppose, release different chemicals, neurotransmitters, or they would have an effect Mm. on those things. And in a way that is, you know, altering or morphing or molding your personality to, to, um, to, to how you want it. Right. Is that an assumption? Exactly. Well, the way I view it is like, and it's a bit of a, it's almost like I'm being very strict on myself because it's like you only get one chance to make an impression. So I'm just like, if I'm going to show up to this date or to this party or whatever, I'm just thinking if I'm going to show up, I really want to show up as the best version of me. And if I know how to unlock that best version of me, then then why would I not take advantage of that and just go ahead and roll with it sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you that, know, there's... there's um, like when I was experimenting with things like ayahuasca and like just plant medicine, I suppose. Um, like my personality changed, you know, like I yeah. was microdosing um, like psilocybin mushrooms when I was in 
Nevada, California, Nevada area and did that over mm. a three month period. And yeah, like it wasn't a massive, massive shift, but I like wanted to be outdoors a lot more. I was really felt really connected to nature. I was very creative and um, yeah. And I definitely know like after I had a peyote experience or an ayahuasca experience on the other end of it, after I'd integrated it, I, I changed, you know, my, my, my outlook on life, my perception of life had changed. So, you know, I think, and I think that's what people think of when they're like, yeah, mind altering, you know, um, plants, uh, or supplements, you know, that's what they mm. think of rather than the more day-to-day level or, you know, the more sporadic, like here, I can take this sort of thing. And that kind of reminds me of like, um, the limitless movie, right. Of like people taking some sort of thing. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a nootropic, right. Is something that yeah. works on, works on, um, yeah, cognitive, cognitive function. Is that, is that something as well that you work with? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So part of, uh, when I was experimenting with like compounds playing soccer, a lot of them were actually nootropics and maybe for your listeners. Uh, so nootropics are basically, it's a category of supplements or drugs or natural compounds or synthetic compounds that can improve any aspect of cognition. So that can be attention, focus, concentration, memory, executive functioning, things like that. So yeah, they definitely, um, I think, well, just in general in Australia, I feel like they're very, mm, they're often sort of, people are very like scared when they hear the, the term nootropics because it's so foreign, they've never heard of it. And really what I'm trying to do, like moving forward with my vision and my my purpose is to really educate um, and, you know, empower people with how to utilize them to how to utilize nootropics to your advantage because they they definitely have turned me into like a working beast and just like I, I mean I'm I get people ask me all the time like how are you so focused like how do you get so much work done and um and I just say like yeah I've just been understanding my brain and I'm just understanding compounds and actually through that process of experimenting with compounds I've learned so much about myself and you just develop that huge level of self-awareness similar to like meditation or other, you know, mindfulness practices. Mm. Um, just, yeah. I love the, um, I love the self-experimentation, man. Maybe I don't, maybe I shouldn't say that I condone it, <laughs> encourage it uh, just for liability reasons, but I, I feel the same way. I resonate a lot. Like I was, um, mm. I remember my, and this is all, um, with regards to psychedelics, I suppose, was doing a lot of self-experimentation and then with specific practices and, and exercises and devices, I was doing a lot of self-experimentation and really resonated with people like, you know, Terence McKenna and Timothy Beery in that regard that, you know, just was psychonautics and just went on and, and explored um, the kind of far cornices and recesses of their mind. Um, mm. And so I really appreciate that kind of approach to being like, Oh, does this actually work? Like, let's see what happens, you know, and doing it in like a self-contained, self-controlled environment and then being able to go, yeah, cool. Here's what I learned from that. And then, you know, what can I teach you? You know, what, what mm. do I know experientially from that rather than what I've read in a textbook? And then how can I relay that information onto you from a firsthand mm. perspective? I, I have got a lot of respect for people that you know can do that safely and, and integrate it quite well. So, um, yeah, resonate with that a lot, man. Mm. Um, mm. I guess with regards to, um, like the things that we wanted to, to talk about today, I'm, I'm curious to know about, um, cause this is a question I get a lot as well with regards to, um, hormones and, you know, neurochemicals and, you know, all this, 
stuff that's happening internally in our body is um, guys ask me all the time about testosterone, right? And that's something that I wanted to, to speak to you about today is um, maybe I'll ask like firstly, for people that don't necessarily know, what is testosterone? Yeah, so essentially testosterone is just the predominant uh, male androgen responsible for many of the typical uh, testosterone or the alpha male type effects that, you know, in terms of like confidence, very driven, very focused, uh, disciplined, and sort of um, on, on a mission to, to, to build, to create that really, a lot of that really stems from this hormone. And this hormone is something that's obviously, uh, regulated via many sort of inputs and outputs and stressors and things like that. So just in general, I think what's like one thing that your listeners would need to hear is that like we as men, like we're under attack every single day. Like there are so many things that are suppressing or or interfering with uh, sufficient testosterone signaling. And things as basic as like, you know, plus drinking from plastic bottles, you'd be well and truly familiar with all of this, you know, from your own endeavors and things like that. And also just even like medication, certain medications and nutritional habits and things like that, they can all really impact a man's uh, testosterone. And that really links into, you know, I mentioned some of the, the effects of like having high testosterone. I'll, I'll go back to some of my sort of experiments. Um, so I was always like trying to figure out ways that I could sort of maximize my own testosterone from a physical performance perspective, like as in, in the gym and building muscle and having energy and stuff like that. But I then started to research it a lot more and understand what sort of effects it was having in the brain and like what sort of, you know, what are the implications for brain function and motivation and mood? And that's how it sort of links in with my passion for nootropics. I'm like understanding hormones and now, now I've got nootropics. I've got like the whole package coming in. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I realized that testosterone is influencing a, a lot of these neurosteroids in the brain, which govern anxiety which you know in these rat studies they'll literally just um the fact they actually use a lot of these neurosteroids to induce an antidepressant and anxiolytic effect and that's like and it's rapid rapid acting and long lasting and i'm like you know these these hormones and neuro hormones and, th and things like that are, are super powerful for i guess uh, regulating how a man feels but not only how he feels but sort of behaviors that he undertakes and things like that. So yeah, I've just been, you know, very passionate with understanding more about what, what we as men can do to really take back that, um, you know, what, what's, what's robbed from us with in, in our society and, and, you know, the pollutants and toxins and things like that. And I'm sure you'd be like very well versed in that, in that realm as well. I was just going to say, yeah, man, I, um, I've read studies about the declining, you know, um, cross-sectional and um, age-independent decline in testosterone across the couple, last couple of generations. Um, mm -hmm. I've also read studies about 
um, testosterone being linked to um, yeah depression and anxiety. So lower levels of testosterone being correlated with um, those kind of mental health issues. I um, mean, I've also mm. read about you know um, phthalates and other types of plastics contributing to yeah to lower levels and decreased levels of testosterone as well. So I do know about yeah some specific things that are that are acting on. Not and not just testosterone, but acting on specific regulatory hormones in our body as well. You know, biologically, there's there's um, there's just stuff happening all the time. You know, it's it's almost impossible not for, for something not to happen because of the fact that we live in you know this particular environment and this particular society, um, just being exposed to everything. So um, yeah, I'm familiar with that. I, I do have a couple of questions around testosterone, man, that you might be able to answer for me. Sure. Yeah. Is there a um, because I come to, I sometimes feel like guys are like, oh, I just need to just keep increasing my testosterone, like just keep going until I just get as much testosterone and then keep going even more than that. Is there a limit to how much testosterone, you know, is produced and is healthy for you? That's a, it's a brilliant question. Uh, so let's first of all um, differentiate between obviously naturally increasing testosterone versus the exogenous which is taking testosterone so i think from let's start with like naturally trying to elevate it to as high as possible from a like from a regulatory perspective and and the body is too smart like we as men like we we won't be able to reach a point naturally when i say naturally i mean like through dietary interventions herbal support and you know nutritional interventions things like that it's virtually impossible to start start creating some sort of uh, damage from or some sort of dysfunction when you're trying to optimize it naturally so like you know if we're reaching levels of like 950 to 1000 or maybe 1200 max i mean i got i was when i was undergoing like various experiments i got mine to 988 naturally so that's I know how I feel at that level and it's, I mean, I feel pretty good at at that sort of level. Um, So I guess from a, I guess from like a safety perspective as for men, ultimately, like if they aim to increase testosterone naturally, then it's very unlikely that they're going to run into issues. On the other hand, if we're utilizing pro hormones and, and, you know, synthetic steroids, things like that, that's when we start to tip the balance and things just go haywire. It, it affects other hormones. It's, it, it's just a very difficult ball game when you're messing with like, you know, the exogenous um, steroids and things like that. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. I, I know of a couple of men, <clears throat> excuse me, in my life or that I've just have known that have started to take testosterone supplements and, um, yeah, although I don't really talk to them too much about it, I just have this weird um, feeling that taking exogenous, as you said, testosterone is just not super healthy and that there's things that we can do naturally, inverted commas, naturally mm. to, to build that testosterone in our body. Unless there's maybe mm. like, and I've written a, a, a paper on this for university, um, hypogonadism, which is obviously yeah. something that can happen quite often later on in life um, as your testosterone level. Mm start to decline um, naturally but also um, for people that maybe are intersex or have hypogonadism in their um, 
you know, as part of their birth or as part of their, their um, childhood. So there's, um, yeah, so there's, I know there is need for testosterone supplements, but I just don't necessarily think that if you're like a, let's just say regular kind of, you know, healthy in terms of your biology and in terms of your, you know, you know uh, endocrine system, then you need to take testosterone supplements. That's just kind of like my mm. personal opinion. I kind of feel the same way mm. about other types of exogenous supplements like Viagra and Cialis and Levitra and things like that as well. Like you don't necessarily need them if you're like, if you don't have diabetes, for example, or if you don't have something that really specifically targets that um, chemical in your body or something that really diminishes a certain type of um, you know, hormone in your body, for example. So yeah, I'm a big yeah. believer in in just taking some some more natural or herbal or adaptogenic remedies rather than these exogenous substances. Is that yeah? Know, is that kind of uh, something that you work with, or is there something you can add to that? Yeah, well, I guess it really comes back to um, the fact that like we we just can't outsmart nature. Like anytime we try to, I guess, like significantly interfere with homeostasis or you know regulatory systems it's going to cause some sort of imbalance somewhere else downstream and i mean i've i've experimented i've been on sort of i haven't been on testosterone or i haven't sort of gone down the very hardcore like route of i mean i've played around with a few things that are near and dear to that sort of you know pregnenolone and, and dhea and things like that which are just really just pre-hormones but any, and this is my experience with them. It's been like terrible. Like I, I induced states where I was like, and I even hit a point where I was actually, I felt depersonalized and I felt like, you know, I lost my, it took, it literally took me two weeks to get back to, to Lucas, like to baseline. Mm. And that was from like a couple of days on pregnant alone. I was like, I couldn't believe the power behind some of these like, these hormones and, and that balance is so delicate, man. Like just you're tinkering with things like that and you really need to know what you're doing because it's, it can be very, um, <clears throat> it can be challenging to sort of rescue, not rescue yourself, but like, you know, work yourself back into that baseline. You know, then I was frantic about getting everything back in order. Like I was like, right, I have to get my sleep down pat. I have to exercise it needs to be on point. Like, Nutrition needs to be like down pat and then it's like slowly, slowly, you know, the brain does eventually, the body does eventually return to homeostasis. So, hmm. um, yeah. What about like, um, cause I know you, you said, you know, when you're building up your testosterone naturally and you said, you know, you got to 988 and then you said like max of 1200 is, and, and I'm, I don't know the, um, I kind of have seen charts and graphs, you know, I can kind of like envision that in my head, but I don't know what the actual specific measurements are. I don't know, you know 988, 988 milligrams per whatever, or whatever the actual yeah. is for testosterone, but that's for science nerds who can go and figure what that out for, what all that means. But is, is there like a lower you know, level as well? That is once you get below that, I suppose, you know, naturally or unnaturally if you want to use that word that things start to become you know um problematic as well yeah yeah that's a that's a great question so 
I might start out by explaining that sort of reference range. Um, and so what's actually happened over the years is they've actually reduced that maximum value. They've, they've had to drop that down. And even with that lower end range, I think it, the, I think the cutoff is between like 180 to 200 and anything, anything below that is considered what you said before, um, like hypogonadism or secondary hypogonadism. Um, <clears throat> and so in terms of like the implications for a man and like how a man's going to feel with levels that low, well, let me tell you this, like, I mean, I'm, I do work with guys and I like to help them out and sh share tips and things like that. And I've seen guys, with levels that low and like, like none of them feel good with levels that low. And if we look at it from a, like a physiological perspective, having testosterone that, that low really is like, that's like the level of a, like a 70 to 80 year old man. And so like, if, if this guy's 25 years old or 30 years old and trying to build, build his own business and, you know, he's maybe looking for a partner and he wants to settle down and, start a family, things like that. Having levels that low is going to make life extremely difficult, like very, very difficult. And like all too often, I, th I think guys just think of that hormone as just the, the hormone that gets your dick hard, like or just get, makes you feel macho and, um, you know, just very like alpha dominant or aggressive. Whereas that is, that's not the case. Like in, I've seen one study that showed that uh, men that have higher levels of testosterone actually uh, are more honest and they're less likely to lie. Mm. And that, that's for me is like phenomenal from like a evolutionary perspective and even like a relationship perspective as well. Yeah. I've actually read studies as well that show this correlation between <clears throat> um, cooperation with testosterone rather than competition um, and testosterone mm. and yeah, again, testosterone being linked to aggression as well is is a bit misguided. And you know, I've read other studies where guys that have higher levels of testosterone, even you know studies that have showed people in testosterone um, supplements or testosterone therapy, um, such as uh, transitioning um, people, trans people going from uh, or taking you know, male male hormones, have you know had this huge rise in testosterone with no no aggressive side effects as well. So this idea that testosterone is linked to aggression, I think is just um, not very nuanced opinion, you know, to, to have. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so getting back to that range then, man. So what's a, uh, what's that lower, that lower parameter, that lower level that you said has kind of just been slowly shifted down. Yeah. So it's, I think, like I mentioned, the, the cutoff I think is like between that 180 to 200 range and you know if you go to your if the doctor sees that sort of result well like i'm talking regular you know western medicine gp um and by the way I, i'm i want to put this out there my, my father is a pharmacist so I, i'm sort of smack in the middle you know i'm studying naturopathy my dad's a pharmacist i've got lots of nerdy friends that are you know that are also in western medicine things like that so i'm i'm on like i see both sides and you know i'm not entirely against you know western medicine because you know there have been certain things from western medicine that i have personally used and really benefited from um in terms of like how i feel psychologically and things like that um but in terms of like a like the western medicine approach to having such low levels levels they really only have like one option 
and that is like to put them on t- uh, TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. And there'll be no discussion about diet. There'll be no discussion about how you're sleeping. There'll be nothing on here are some supplements that may actually help to your body, you know, help to encourage your body to make testosterone. Because ultimately, <clears throat> for me, I view TRT as the very last resort. Like it's the point where they've, they've literally tried everything or they've abused their body through being being immature and, and I guess, uh, you know, dangerous by you know using steroids and things like that in the past and now they're trying to heal a broken system mm-hmm. and that's where i think you know trt may be very applicable in that sort of scenario yeah yeah and is there so you've got this range then of like <clears throat> here's our top um and we don't necessarily want to go past that here's our bottom and we also don't want to necessarily go past that as well so that range then um and i assume you said it's kind of been shifting over time and i presume that's to to accommodate for that shifting decline in overall testosterone and population level as well. Um, but so if we're, if we're in that range, then is there much of a difference between like being at the bottom end of that range versus being at the top end of that range? Yeah, well, that's actually a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one to, to answer. Well, when we look at, um, from a, I guess from a physiological perspective, Let's look at like, I guess, maybe like sex drive, for example. So anything in the range of between like maybe 200 to 600, you know, if a man's able to get an erection fine and, you know, sustain an erection, have sex, then I guess that nothing really needs to be, nothing really needs to be done in terms of like, if they just want to maintain that, then that's it. But if they want to really feel I guess like, because the body's very, the male body's very sensitive to fluctuations in these hormones. So if you're, even just by boosting, like elevating it or increasing it by a marginal, like 10 to 15%, the guy will notice that. It, it may not be like, you know, it may not notice anything here, but that they'll, they'll feel, they might feel, I feel good, you know, like, and that's why with the whole, I, I mentioned it to you before the icing of the icing of the balls. That's why I think a lot of guys that actually undertake that practice, it may not boost tests like significantly, but it might actually help maybe 10 to 15%. And they, they feel that because we feel like a very small change. And maybe that's why like a lot of guys are now, I've now made many guys addicted to the whole icing of the balls. So, <laughs> <laughs> so why specifically does testicle icing, um, have that little spike in, you know, marginal increase in testosterone? Yeah, it's a a good question. So I think it comes back to a couple of mechanisms. The first one that I hypothesize and hasn't been studied, but the first one is very simple. It's based on um, circulation. So as we know, ice cold therapy causes vasoconstriction. And then obviously once that vasoconstriction wears off, we get a vaso, a rebound sort of vasodilatory response. And with that response, we get fresh blood, fresh nutrients, and potentially better enzyme function, and then ATP production in the Leydig cells, which would help with that, you know, testosterone secretion. That's one theory. The next one is based around, I guess, the nitric oxide sort of um, that sort of because we know nitric oxide is incredibly important for erections. So I'm thinking 
potentially that, you know, that rebound elevation of nitric oxide in that region is facilitating better erections, you know, three to four hours later. Um, so that's another theory. And then, then the one that's very well studied and documented is the fact that <clears throat> the testicles, as we know, the outside the body for a reason, they need to be kept cooler than the core temperature of the male body. And so just in general with guys in their everyday life wearing underwear or, you know, driving in a car, working at a desk, like they're automatically going to have their testicles too warm. So I guess like to counteract that, you know, that's where icing is, has been used and it's literally being used to improve, you know, fertility. And I've, I've literally, I've been working with a few couples and, um, one of my friends here in Melbourne, like she's all, she's a practitioner and she's like, she sent me a message one day showing me like this couple just sent like the husband's been icing for six weeks and, and now she's pregnant. Mm. And like, that's, that's pretty amazing. It's a literally a free intervention that guys can take advantage of. And, and like, I mean, I set up a whole Facebook group dedicated to this whole practice called sub zero. <laughs> And we can link that below for the guys if they want to just check out some of the crazy reports we have in there. Totally. Um, and some of the yeah, some of the some of the feedback has been phenomenal. Like, like I just feel like most guys that start it. So obviously, this is the process. This is how it goes. It's like, hey, bro, have you heard of icing? Icing what? Icing your balls? It's like, nah, man. Like, what's, what's this? <laughs> and then they'll, you know, there's that initial period of like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you're, you've lost your head. You've lost your, lost your mind. Anyway, that night he'll go home. He'll ice his balls, you know, like before bed. And then he wakes up with morning wood all of a sudden. And then he's like, oh shit, this is like, this actually works sort of thing. Mm. <clears throat> and then he commits to it. And then he, I honestly think that most guys that start, they just don't stop because you just feel so good. And mm. I think, yeah, I think it's been like a couple of years now since I've been just practicing it like before the gym and like before bed and things like that. And it's just, I'm not, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Yeah. Amazing, man. Amazing. I'm a fan of cold showers, but I've got to get into the testicle icing. I think you've, you've sold me on it. Uh, <laughs> I, I also though want to with this idea of fluctuations as well, because so you, like, let's use the testicle icing as an example, right? Like you, you do it and you experience a little spike or a little influx of testosterone or a little production of mm. it. But then obviously you don't just ice your balls once in your whole entire life. And that maintains that level of testosterone, you know, for the rest of your life. It's something that you continually mm. do because it, your that little spike will then obviously kind of wax and wane and go down a little bit. And then you, and then you kind of you know build up and build up and build up. So mm. And, and you mentioned before, you know, the, the human, the, the male body at least is, is you know, susceptible or is, you know, um, quite affected by fluctuations in hormones. And, and so I want to talk about fluctuation in testosterone because I think that's something that people, and especially the guys that I talk to at least about it, aren't super aware of. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to max my testosterone out and just keep it at that level. And that's what's going to happen. Um, so... I know a little bit about that fluctuation, but I was wondering if you wanted to, to speak into it. Yeah. So in terms of the, the natural fluctuations from a, like, let's look at a 24 hour period. <clears throat> so we know that obviously in the morning, 
between 5 and 9 a.m., I think men's levels reach a peak. You know, if that's why we get the blood test done first thing in the morning. And we do get, like, we do get surges throughout the day. I think it's every, like, hour and 15 minutes we get, like, a luteinizing hormone surge. And that, you know, keeps us up and about. But eventually, and this is ironic, isn't it? When it comes to, like, um, dating or having sex or things like that, often that that is around, you know, maybe 9.30, 12 a.m. sort of things. So like, you know, when you're going out, maybe met a, met, a, met, a, met a girl at the bar or whatever, and now it's time to perform or like to have fun, you know, get down. Um, and it's ironic because that's actually the time when like men's levels are actually the lowest. Whereas like women, I think, are actually more sexually invigorated and horny in the in at that time frame you know between i think 9 and 11 p.m so yeah in terms of that that fluctuation i guess that sort of works to our disadvantage um because like when we want it to be really high and when we want to feel when we want to be feeling great it's actually when we feel the worst so whereas in the morning that morning time is i guess probably the best from from like a sexual health perspective and even from like a workout perspective but but you're right there's definitely like fluctuations and <clears throat> there's many other things that can affect you know those fluctuations and you know certain foods can do that you know uh, being in a caloric deficit can significantly do that mm. fasting can do that um it, it, environmental temperature light exposure like every there's so many things that can affect that even even like winning versus losing like you know that that's if your if your football team wins the game like they've they've shown that like that actually elevates testosterone whereas losing actually decreases um so i find that it's very fascinating yeah yeah i've i've read heaps of different studies on like what spikes and what you know diminishes levels of testosterone just like it really fascinates me because I love the idea of nuance. And, you know, I think a lot of people are black and white. You either have a lot of testosterone or you don't, and there's no fluctuation and there's, you know, and you're either an alpha male or you're not based on your level of testosterone. And it's like, well, you know, there's way more gray area than that. Um, and, and the fluctuation of testosterone is something that speaks to that gray area. I've also, because yeah. very, very well studied that diurnal, uh, effect of like high in the morning, low at night. And I've also, you know, and I've referenced these studies before, but there's also these monthly cycles of testosterone as well and hormone production in the male body um, where, mm. and also seasonal as well. I've read about seasonal yeah. peaks and troughs in testosterone, um, which mm. speaks to this idea that we're, you know, we're, we are, we, we do fluctuate and we are cyclical in a sense as well of being like, cool, we have got these high periods and these low periods and these high periods again. Um, and hormone fluctuation is actually happening in the male body as well. And I've gotten in trouble for calling that the male period before um, where we have these like monthly long um, hormone fluctuations. Uh, yeah. I've been, you know, had some criticism on social media for calling it that, but it is, it's a hormonal fluctuation. And um, I think guys need to be aware of that as well with regards to like, testosterone production because there'll be months throughout the year I, I believe it's the 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 summer months when your testosterone is a little bit lower and during isn't the, that yeah, yeah. isn't that ironic hey yeah testicle <laughs> thing where your your um your, your testosterone goes up man so um yeah i was wondering 
if you if you knew about that if you if that's something you speak about as well well it's actually not something i talk about enough and i think it's good that you brought it up because it's it's very important to i guess from a um like just men understanding their bodies better we just want to that's what we're doing really we're just trying to empower men with the knowledge that they need to understand that their bodies better and and not look at things like how men are in in pornography and things like that which is what what I respect a lot about what you do and what you encourage and what you stand by is that you know standing and stepping forward into that really delicate space that a lot of guys are really it's a really sensitive space man like that that entire field and you'd have a lot of a lot more experience in that in that realm than me but I, I do want to start spreading a very similar message to yourself I, I am very much fixated in that performance model like that that performance based model but I'm really lacking that spiritual element that I, that I see that you really <clears throat> trying to really bring that back and I mean at, as a naturopath like that's like this is you're basically you're really just reinforcing a lot of the naturopathic principles which is like you know first do no harm you know the healing power of nature you know doctor is teacher prevention is the cure like all of these elements you that's really what we're trying to reinforce but i tell you what it's it's not easy it's not easy with guys because um like in general their default mode is to be that bigger faster stronger and like to take a step back and really like do that inner work it's it's freaking hard for them man it's really they need they need people like us to really like step forward and be like right no 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 like i'm a man i can talk about my emotions i can i can be vulnerable i can put myself in those delicate situations and and work through it because don't work don't the obstacle is the way the obstacle is the way mm, I, I feel that man and and like i use the word performance there and i kind of like am putting this together as we speak but mm. i kind of think the, the term is like optimize like you want to optimize your your health as much as possible because I teach a lot of like self-pleasure practices and stuff that you can do with your partner and um, you know, connecting to your cock and all this sort of stuff. But like one of the ways of connecting to your cock is like, you know, making sure you've got the blood flow going, making sure you've got, yeah. you know, nitric oxide levels that are good enough to maintain and get an erection if that's what you're looking for. Like, you know, making sure mm. you've got a optimal testosterone. So you want to really like optimize what's going on internally for you hormonally um, endocrinologically and you know and then that's part of that connection to your body like you said you're, you're building an awareness and not only I, I suppose are you building an awareness in the way that i teach which is like to the outside to you know to the, the anatomy but also building an awareness of your um, and a building relationship with your hormonal system and your your internal mm -hmm. structures as well um so i definitely think like yeah you're just optimizing that relationship as much as possible um and i think yeah, that that word at least resonates for me a little bit, a little bit better than performance, especially with regards yeah. to formative aspects of sex. Um, mm. And I'm, the the other thing that I wanted to speak about, man, was, um, and we kind of touched on this a couple of times, but testosterone linked to like sex drive as well, linked to libido, um, and this mm. is this is what I feel like is, you know, is missing with regards to that testosterone, and it's association with like aggression. It's like way less associated with aggression and way more associated with libido, which I think people don't necessarily realize. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad you brought that up. So <clears throat> I really want to sort of break that down and look at not only testosterone, but the other hormones. So like we know that there's, we know that testosterone is the one that everyone talks about, like from a male perspective, and, and we know it does help with that libido response, that desire and drive and that willingness to seek out a partner, but to actually facilitate erections and to, I guess, maintain that arousal or that fan, you know, like that fantasy response, the, the um, playing that, that role play sort of feeling in the head. A lot of that is actually mediated by estradiol estrogen and that i think for a lot of guys will be really confusing to to hear because it's like we've just been told what i thought estrogen's the female hormone like but that is not the case that is absolute when it comes to like sexual health from a male perspective and i've been there i've literally been there i've literally tried to suppress my estrogen as low as i could get it you know through dietary interventions and supplements and i have crushed my estrogen and i have felt like shit and i've had zero libido i lost my morning wood i felt zero desire i felt crappy and so that's a perfect example of like the body these hormones work as an orchestra they all work together instant in synergy and if just one of them is out of balance then the whole system will end up compromising in some way shape or fashion so i think from a from a libido perspective that estrogen is crucial mm. but then there's another hormone as well that like I, I see gets bashed and and you know bullied a lot is actually um dht and dht is you know bullied for its you know negative effects on hair health and prostate health and some other things like that but man like if there's this specific like uh, medications like finasteride and hair loss medications that have atrocious sort of side effects and and a lot of them do re- reduce that DHT so and you know that's a massive I, I spent a lot of time researching that and like what, what's what's happening in the brain and like why is DHT doing that and how does it do that and um, I guess yeah you're right so it's obviously testosterone is important but it's it's the symphony it's Mm -hmm. the orchestra it's everything even cortisol as well we need some cortisol to get that you know maintain blood pressure and things like that yeah brother you're sharing a lot of things that i that i share but maybe not necessarily with the language that you're using so for example like well i love the idea of bringing up um estradiol into the um into the mix because it speaks into this notion that we have right sociological notion that men are sexual and women aren't right and that men have high sex drives and women have low sex drives because men have testosterone and women have estrogen right speaks into that kind of like dichotomy uh idea that you know men are the ones that pursue and have sex and women aren't because they you know have estrogen but then you know it's just a way of kind of framing sex a little bit differently or sexuality and the pursuit of that a little bit differently like you said estradiol and estrogens more um for the that fantasy role-playing um feeling for you know still it's still part of you know libido it's still part of sex drive yep and so you know it probably speaks to a little bit of difference there with regards to how people that have more estrogen versus people that have more testosterone um approach Mm. libido and sex drive but it's still a component of it 
Um, so I really like that, you know, bringing that into the equation is, is such an important thing to do because it just starts to break down that, that um, dichotomy that we have that men are sexual and women aren't sexual, which is just like this really old paradigm that I've been trying to break um, with the guys that I've yeah. met for a long time. Um, mm. And then, yeah, the, the, and the fact that sexuality and the expression of that, the manifestation of that is this beautiful interplay, you know, this, this orchestra, the symphony of different hormones and chemicals, you know, I often, I often talk about the nervous systems and how, you know, the sexual response is this beautiful dance between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Um, and, and yeah, and so the same thing's happening, you know, not only neurologically, but endocrinologically as well, right? Hormonally, these, mm. these interplay of, and this dance between all these, these hormones. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose like one of the things that, um, that gets spoken about a lot as well. You didn't mention it just then, but one of the other things that that is spoken about with regards to sexuality is dopamine. And yeah. uh, especially like the, where it's been introduced to me, I suppose, in terms of the context of sexuality is with regards to watching porn and yeah. the, the kind of uh, dopaminogenic um, response and that reward circuitry and forming behavior and forming addiction, if you want to call it that as well. Um, so I was wondering if you could speak into dopamine a little bit and maybe its role in, in our sexuality. Of course, of course. And that's a, it's, it's an area that I've spent a lot of time trying to understand and, and research. And I guess that linking in the whole experimentation with nootropics and now like I see a global pan, a pandemic and that is like men across the board, not only are they having that low testosterone, but now they've also got dopamine dysfunction as a result of the lifestyle, as a result of watching porn. And now they're struggling, they're reaching for stimulants, they're reaching for things to really get them back up and give them that sort of kick and boost. And my job has always been, hang on, let's take a step back. Let's try and find compounds that can actually help to regenerate and repair some of that damage. I know it's gonna take time and it's gonna, it's not only just the compounds that are gonna help with that process, but also lifestyle and other things like that but having said that there's definitely merit for certain nootropics that can help to i guess restore and help facilitate that healing process of replenishing those dopamine receptors that have been completely burnt out and destroyed by these super physiological supra physiological levels of dopamine that we get from watching porn so really i've spent a lot of my time researching these some of them are research chemicals. Some of them are well-known um, and, and, and seeing them like really restore that dopamine uh, function in, in guys. And I've, you know, I'm literally working with guys one-on-one -on -one to help them with that process. And even guys that have ADD, like, you know, they've also been on Ritalin or Adderall or whatever, those psychostimulants that have also severely burnt out their dopamine system. And now they're like, what do I do to rebuild it? What like, what can I do to restore that that was robbed or that was sort of <clears throat> taken away? So, yeah, I've definitely been, you know, and experimenting myself with various research chemicals and and un understanding their effects. And not only like, I think the most important thing here is like, yes, I can read these scientific studies and read in vivo studies and rat studies and things like that. But until you get your hands on the compound and actually try it and experience it, just like with ayahuasca and the psychedelic medicines, you don't know until you really try it. 
And so obviously I do advocate that self-experimentation aspect, but obviously it needs to be under like strict guidance and, and the ego needs to be left out the door, forget about that and be like, right. Uh, no, you don't need to have this, the highest dose to begin with. Why do you have to have the highest dose to begin with? Like that, I see that all too often, like with guys, like it's, you know, <laughs> that mentality of like, if a little is good, more is better. It mm. just, and I've seen that literally fuck that many guys over just because they have that mentality and they've all of a sudden have taken three compounds all at once and now they've destroyed their their brain for like two, three weeks. I'm like, dude, just settle down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think that speaking about dopamine, right, that's that, <clears throat> I think, instant gratification type um, mentality that we kind of go into things with and you know, that's at least in my, and we, we kind of said porn before with regards to affecting dopamine, but <clears throat> I think it's important to note that like, it's the, at least in my understanding, it's the, the gratification um, of watching something or of doing something like, you know, or, or of getting something which spikes dopamine. And so it's not just necessarily porn, which is contributing to that kind of elevated burning out feeling of, of dopamine. It's like, the notifications we're getting on our phone it's the you know little beeps we're getting from you know a laptop or it's the you know the tv that we're watching that makes us feel really good or it's the placing a mm -hmm. bet that we're doing or whatever it is right stuff that kind of hijacks that reward circuitry is that kind of fair to say yeah and i think well to, to bring it back it's actually <clears throat> it's not only the experiential in the moment of pleasure it's actually it's the build up or the anticipation of pleasure and actually that pleasure response is a lot of that pleasure response is actually mediated via the opioid network mm. that it's it's the opioid pathway that's actually become dysfunctional as well from excessive rewarding stimuli it's like we're constantly we're constantly stimulating that mu opioid receptor over and that's the one that morphine hits as well so we're constantly stimulating that and over time it's down regulating and becoming less sensitive and <clears throat> there's definitely yeah you're right so part of that is you know dopamine mediated but but also it's a it's the it's like going when you're about to book a holiday or you know you're looking forward to your holiday and you actually look forward to it more than the actual holiday sort of thing mm -hmm. like once you're there it's like oh what like yeah. once you've you had up. <laughs> yeah it's the build-up aspect mm -hmm. is is there any value then I've seen some guys talk about dopamine detoxes specifically with regards mm. to like porn. Um, <clears throat> and, and I'm wondering, is there any value to it? Can you even do a dopamine detox? Is that even a real thing? Does it even, does it even work? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, in terms of it sort of resetting the, the maximal response that you can get, I don't think it's going to really help with that getting back to hundred percent. It might help with like maybe 20 to 30%, bringing it back up a little bit. Uh, and I also see it being, there's one situation or scenario where I do see that being very beneficial. And that is in relation to uh, motivation to work. For some reason, I feel like that motivation to work will be heavily impacted by these dopamine detoxes. Like, because in general, what I've what I've even noticed myself, and you're probably similar to me in this regard, is like if I'm ejaculating too often, like my desire to work 
is compromised. I, I notice that it's <clears throat> that endurance and that chase and that that real grunt aspect is sort of diminished a little bit. I don't have that. Like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get this done. Like I don't have that real grunt. That's only after like excessive like excessive ejaculation. Yeah. Um, and so I've seen it. I've seen it affect the quality of my life there, but also like socializing as well. So um, doing those dopamine detoxes has like positively helped with just willing, like wanting to talk to friends and wanting to like be social, things like that. Cause that's more of that. That's the natural, that's that natural response. So like it's pushing me to seek out more of the natural based dopamine responses, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I also think like, um, just to expand on what you just shared is like the behavioral behavioral side of things as well. Like if I'm to, to kind of use and to piggyback your example of like work and motivation to work, <clears throat> if I'm, if I'm ejaculating frequently, right. And, and yes, I, I do feel that as well. I maybe feel a little bit fatigued if I'm coming all the time, but just like, also I'm not motivated to work because I'm masturbating all the time as well right mm. like forget the ejaculation part of it i'm actually just spending time masturbating rather than spending that time working as well or i'm spending time mm. masturbating and watching porn or i'm spending you know whatever it is but i'm you know the time that i could have been working i'm actually spending you know self-pleasuring or masturbating and and, and then to the point of ejaculating as well which then kind of compounds that effect of feeling a little bit fatigued um so like not only is it the kind of neuro chemical side of things or neurotransmitter side of things with the dopamine but also it's just like where are you spending your time what's your behavior pattern you know where are you dedicating time to work or are you dedicating time to masturbate and sit in front of a computer screen for example and 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 watch porn so i think like in that regard it could be beneficial to just take a break from masturbating to take a break from ejaculating to take a break from watching porn to take a break from whatever it is right because then it, it frees up the time in a behavioral sense for you to actually do something else and then it might have all these extra effects in terms of the the um, dopamine detox you know, effects, if you want to call them that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're touching on some like really crucial points, and I, I really, I really respect that, man. I really respect the fact that you're really vocalizing and pioneering this because it's yeah, like there's not many dudes like you and like that have that sort of mission. In Australia, there's not many, man. So I don't know any in Melbourne, really. It's like there's no one. I'll have to link you some. I think I know a couple of guys in Melbourne. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate the time, man, to have a chat with me this morning. Is there any wisdom or any nugget of gold that you want to share the last couple of minutes of the podcast? Yeah, I guess the, the final bit I'd love to share is to give all men a sense of hope and that they really can turn things around. If they're in the pit or if they're struggling, then reach out to and just acquire knowledge and then integrate that and really know that you can facilitate change and you really can empower yourself to, to feel better. Whatever it is, like if there's something you're struggling with, you can always work through it and just as long as you surround yourself with the right people and have that infrastructure and that network then i think that literally anything is possible you're able to really yeah i guess like if there's something you've struggled with then you really can work through it and just get through it so that's probably like my last bit of advice yeah it's a beautiful message man well thank you so much for spending the time with me
it's been uh it's been a pleasure man i'm looking forward to having you on my show as well so I'm, I'm, i can't wait it's gonna be great we'll tee that up all right thank you my brother i'll stop this